The title of this uh, sermon tonight is The Problem of Pain. And this particular title is taken from a book of the same, uh, the same title written by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, a British Christian writer. And in this particular book, The Problem of Pain, um, C.S. Lewis discusses the nature and the effect of pain on the human condition and he tries to square, if you wish, the existence of pain with the existence of God. That's the challenge that he sets for himself in writing the book entitled The Problem of Pain. Now as a Christian apologist, in other words he was an individual who specialized in books that defended the idea of the existence of God and the deity of Christ. He was an apologetic writer. He was very much interested in responding to the argument against belief in God because of the existence of pain. The argument goes something like this. If God is good and if God is all-powerful, why does He allow pain and why doesn't He just stop it? I mean, if God has all this power and He's you know, all good, all kind, all merciful, why doesn't He just stop all the pain in the world? Another way to make the argument is this. An all-good and powerful God would not allow His creation to suffer and die. Therefore, there must be no God, since there is suffering and death. And those are summaries of the argument against the existence of God using the problem of pain. Now a lot of people who do not believe in God do not believe because of this obstacle to their faith. A lot of people lose faith because of the pain that they experience in their lives. I've known a lot of people who were faithful, who believed in God, who were faithful Christians, but because of a, you know, a period of time in their life when there was a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, so on and so forth, they lost their faith. So tonight I'd like to deal with this issue of pain simply by showing you and sharing with you some of the things that the Bible has to say about pain itself. Well the first thing that it says is that sin is what causes pain, not God. Pain and suffering exist because of sin in the world not because God has created pain. If you have your Bibles, you can read Genesis chapter 2, and I believe it's up there on the, uh, on the screen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. God establishes the parameter, the rules, if you wish. And He says, within these rules, there's life, there's freedom, there's joy. But if you break these rules, if you break these commandments, if you disobey me, then you shall surely die. And in one word, the word die, uh, all the idea of pain and suffering is included. Paul repeats the idea in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where he says, the wage of sin or the wages of sin 
is death. Same idea. Sin is what causes suffering and death. And so from the beginning of time, God has warned man about the relationship between sin, which is disobeying God's will, God's word, God's laws, the relationship between sin and the pain and death that are a result of sin. From the very beginning, Genesis 2, God warns man about that relationship. You know, I think that most people understand and even accept this idea, but they have trouble dealing with the reasons why innocent people suffer. For example, you know, a person go, I'm, I'm using a broad example here, you know, a person goes in, they rob a bank and then they drink too much and they abuse one another and then they suffer for their actions. We agree and we approve that justice in the form of pain is needed here in order to mitigate the evil in the world. You know, people who do bad things, who abuse others and so on and so forth, they need to suffer pain in order to stop them from doing bad things. We kind of, we kind of agree with that idea. But what about little babies dying of illness? They haven't done anything wrong. What about innocent victims of war and violence? What about oppressed people because of poverty or race? Or folks who die in accidents or weather-related mishaps? How about just old age and the illness and the debility that comes with old age? What about that kind of suffering? Why does God allow this? What did these people do to deserve these things? Well, the answer is exactly the same. Whether innocent or guilty, the reason for pain in the world, the reason for death in the world is sinfulness. Sometimes it's the direct result of your own sin and sometimes it's the indirect result of the cumulative sinfulness of the world that affects us. But sin is always the cause. It's always the root cause. Here are a couple of examples of how sin causes pain. A person, I'll go back to the individual who abuses alcohol. So a person abuses alcohol and, and he beats his wife, he abuses his wife and he gets arrested and he loses his job and he loses his family and his health begins to deteriorate and he suffers the effects of alcoholism and loneliness and poverty. His pain is a direct result of his sin. He's the one that's brought all of this stuff onto himself. Why? Because he abused alcohol and that led him to you know, all kinds of other failings and sins in life. But look at the other side. His family, because of what he's done, is left without a father. They have less income, less educational opportunity. The children lack discipline. They're depressed. They're angry. They grow up with the pain and suffering caused by a dysfunctional home and many times they carry that into their own families. Well, in this case, the pain is an indirect result of someone else's sin. They're suffering because of what someone else did or did not do for them or against them. 
And so disease and environmental imbalances and disasters, all of these things originally stem from the devastating effects on the ecosystem caused by the great flood, Noah's flood, which itself was caused by sin. The flood came, why? Because men were continually thinking and doing evil. The sin is what caused eventually the flood. You know, before the flood there was perfect balance in nature, but sin destroyed this through the flood and the consequences environmentally, if you wish, continue to this day. And then there are human character weaknesses and our disposition to give in to evil, our inability to grasp spiritual things easily. All of this a legacy left to us by Adam, who through his disobedience permitted sin to enter into the human realm in the first place. So I'm saying, that all, I'm saying all of this to say there is pain because there is sin. And we all are affected by it directly or indirectly. Because there is sin and pain does not prove that there is no God. It merely proves that God doesn't deal with pain the way that we would deal with pain if we were God. If we were God, we would create a world where there would be no pain, no suffering, perfect justice. Isn't that what we do? Well, wait a minute. God created a world exactly like that. <laughs> and man ruined it with sin. No. God exists amid the pain. And through His word, He helps us understand and deal with the pain. So now that we have an idea and we have hopefully an understanding of this, let's take a look at a couple of other things that God says about pain. It's not either or. Either there's, God and, uh, either there's pain and no God, or there's no pain and there is a God. No, what I'm saying to you is God and pain in the world coexist. The idea is, what does God say about pain? Perhaps if we know this, we'll be able to get a better handle on the pain that we suffer in our lives. So the first thing, the Bible and pain. Well, first thing I want to say is that pain is a certainty. It's a certainty. Jesus guaranteed it. In John chapter 16, verse 33, says the following. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus guaranteed that there would be pain. And then Peter tells us, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if there's pain. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Jesus says, pain is a certainty in your life. And Peter says, well, don't be surprised when it happens. Don't be mad at God because there's pain. 
You know, a lot of people's anxiety comes from the worry of experiencing pain. They want to avoid it at all costs. Even the tiniest bit of discomfort or inconvenience, they just want to get rid of it. And they end up suffering constantly. Why? Because they're constantly anxious about the threat of pain in their lives. If you're human, you sin. If you sin, you'll experience pain. If you live in this world, pain will find you eventually because of the sin of others. Listen, Jesus was perfect. Did pain come and find Him? Absolutely. Jesus and Peter tell us that we can find comfort despite the pain, not that we can avoid the pain altogether. Trying to avoid pain altogether is futile. Another thing that the Bible tells us about pain is this. We are called to suffer pain. Imagine. We are called to suffer pain. First Peter chapter, uh, chapter 2 verse 21 says the following. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. Imagine you've been called to suffer. Now this is a tough idea to swallow because we don't normally think that God wants us to suffer. <laughs> Whenever we're suffering, whatever it is now, our first prayer to God is, God, why, why God? Why God? Why am I suffering? Why has this thing happened to me? We're surprised that it's happened. We're angry that it's happened and we're questioning God. Why? And yet the Bible tells us, don't be surprised, you're going to suffer. You've, if you're a Christian, you've been called to suffer. You know, God hates sin and He does not enjoy the suffering caused by sin. Psalm 116.15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His godly ones. But He does use suffering for His own purposes. I mean, if it were up to us, we would simply eliminate suffering. But he doesn't do that. He could, but he doesn't do that. He uses suffering to rebuild what sin has destroyed. Now for humanists or atheists, the elimination of suffering through various means is the highest and most noble work a person can do. You ever wonder, you know, people who sacrifice for democracy or they give their lives to protect the environment and so on. You know, are those noble things? Absolutely. They are the most noble things that can be done under the sun in this life. For Christians, the elimination of suffering is also a noble work in order to glorify and honor God. People who serve the poor or those who are ill or in foreign countries to help establish their villages or you know, in whatever ways, provide food and medical assistance. This is a noble thing that glorifies God if you're doing it in the name of Christ. But for God, suffering is a tool that He uses to create a higher good. It is one way that God uses to promote 
spiritual development. You know, we only get something out of our suffering and pain if we see it as a calling from God. I've said to some people who were chronically ill or had a long-term affliction or perhaps a long-term difficulty in their life that they had to deal with, a thorn you know, in their flesh somehow. And I didn't say this facetiously. I wasn't joking when I said. I'd say to them, you have a ministry of suffering. And they say, well, a ministry of suffering. Yeah, you. because their complaint is, well, I can't serve the Lord and I can't do this and this thing is always bogging me down and because of this, if it wasn't for this, boy, all the things I'd do for the Lord. And I remind them, never mind all the things you could be doing for the Lord. Right now, the life you've got, that's the life God gave you. The situation you're in now, that's the situation that God is permitting you to be in. And for some, the ministry is not the ministry of knocking on doors or the ministry of serving communion or the ministry of preaching or the ministry of helping the poor, whatever it is, leadership, teaching. Their ministry is the ministry of suffering. You know, we only get something out of our suffering and pain if we see it as a calling from God. Pain doesn't come from God, but if we allow it, He will use it to do something good, even great, in our lives. For example, pain brings out repentance. Pain brings out repentance. In 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians, uh, I believe chapter 2. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we know the story. A brother had suffered the pain of separation from his loved ones in order to get him to abandon sin and be restored. Basically, they had disfellowshipped him. And the pain that he suffered because of that disfellowshipment in the church brought him to his knees, brought him to repentance. God was using pain to get his attention. You know, sometimes God uses pain in our lives to get our attention. Listen up. I can almost hear it from the, from the heavens. Listen up. Pay attention. Didn't you ever do that to your kids when they were little? They were just running around, you're like bees buzzing all over the place and blah, blah, blah. And you'd go, bunk, on the side of that, bunk. My mother would do that sometimes. Thinking, I mean, it won't kill me, but it sure got my attention. I'd go, ow, what, what? Well, I think that sometimes God goes, bunk, to get our attention. Sometimes pain teaches us how to be more understanding and sympathetic toward other people who are suffering. This time in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, Paul says, speaking of God, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I've been blessed in my life to have good health. 
you know, I've never been hospitalized for any length of time, not, no heart attacks or cancer, things like that. A, a marvelous blessing. But I remember many years ago having pulled my back out. And that was painful. And I know a lot of you know about that. I mean, not only my experience, but you know about it because you've had the same. You know, you bend over to tie your shoe and you hear something go crack in your back and all of a sudden you're on the floor and you can't move. I've had that experience several times. And I didn't like it because it interfered with what I wanted to do. But you know what? Young Donnie back there has severe back issues. And I've never suffered the, the, the amount of time and to the degree that he suffered, but I understand. When I see him limping, I understand. When I see Bruce Johnson and he's kind of gingerly walking like a crab. You know? I understand. Why? Because I've suffered the same kind of pain. And there's no other way that I could have understood. Because pain teaches us how to be more understanding and sympathetic towards other people who are suffering. Empathy is learned through pain. There's no course in empathy. There's no class. You know, we'll have a 13 week class on empathy. No. No, God teaches us to be empathetic through suffering. Another example, Paul, uh, uh, pain draws people to God. In 2 Corinthians, this time, uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 15, the writer says, For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks around to the glory of God. Paul's suffering with patience and faith caused others to praise God and to trust in Him for their own suffering. How many times have we been encouraged to just keep on keeping on because we see somebody else who's got twice the burden that we have, they're keeping on. They have a smile. I mean, you know, my wife uh, perhaps uh, has a cold or the flu and I have to take care of her and I'm, you know, three or four days, I'm making the dinner and, and, I'm, you know, and I'm serving this and that. And, okay, dear, you want to clean it? Can I get you this? Can I get you that? A couple of days. You know, and, and three or four days into it, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't wait till she's better. You know, I'm tired of cooking. And, and I won't mention any names. But then I turn around and I look at husbands or wives who have been the principal caretaker of their spouses for not days, not weeks, not months, but for decades. And they're praising God. And they're finding time on top of that to be of service even to other people. Where did they learn that? They learned it through pain. They learned it through pain. And pain builds character. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Paul says the following. He says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And he goes on other qualities, but I want to stop at perseverance. Pain builds character. 
Over and over again, people testify that their suffering has caused them to draw courage, to develop patience, to appreciate their lives, and to change their goals. I know people who have had perhaps cancer and have been ill for months at a time and then they get the good news that their cancer is in remission and then a couple of years later they really get the good news and said you're good your cancer is in remission and those are the people who are saying you know what life is short. My cancer taught me that life is short and life is precious. I'm going to stop wasting my time. I'm going to make new priorities. You know, the Bible teaches us not to see pain simply as an inconvenience or a loss of enjoyment of life, but rather as a calling from God to allow Him to transform us using pain as an agent for change. Change in conduct, change in attitude towards others, change in faith, and change in character. You know, pain will either break you or make you. And that's what, that's what we need to be asking ourselves. Is it breaking me or is it making me into someone else? And then one other thing we need to think about when we're thinking about pain is this. Pain is not for life. In the book of Job we read about a man who experienced every kind of pain imaginable. Think about it for a second. He lost his business. He lost his children. He lost the affection of his wife. He lost his health. He lost his respect. He lost his position in society. He lost his friends. Can you name anything? The only thing he didn't lose was his actual life. This terrible pain went on for an unspecified amount of time, but eventually God restored all that he had lost. And when we teach Job or when we read Job, we concentrate on Job's suffering so much that we forget that he spent many, many more years being blessed than being cursed with pain. You know, God says to David in Psalm 50 verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you. Suffering comes and suffering goes, but God is always there. He understands our frame. He understands our weakness. He understands our capacity. He understands our endurance. And we have to understand that God will not eliminate all suffering because He uses it for His own purpose. But God is fair and He is just. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, His work is perfect for all His ways are just. We have to be careful not to accuse God as being unfair because of our pain. If we do that, we should put our hand over our mouths and not permit those words to escape. God is not unjust and God is not unfair. The world is unjust. The world is unfair. People are sinful. But let's not allow our pain 
to make those kinds of accusations against God. I know sometimes we hear in a sermon, God is tough, you know, don't be afraid to talk to Him. And, and I understand the idea that we have to open up our hearts to God. But let's all re always remember, He's God. He's not one of us. And also, God will not overburden us with suffering. God is faithful, it says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Solomon said that there is a time for everything, a time to weep and a time to laugh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4. We need to remember that we all have seasons of pain, but God promises that they will not be more than we can bear, nor will they last forever. And He always provides a way to endure or a way to escape. And many times our pain is brought to us and perpetuated in us because of what we're doing, because of some sin that we're doing. And when the Bible says He'll provide a way of escape, many times the way of escape is for us to stop that sin. That's the escape. To walk rightly before God, that's the escape. So pain is a fact of life. There's no avoiding it. Everyone suffers for what sins they do or others do. Not everyone suffers profitably, however. But when we do suffer, it's important that we remember first, God does not send pain. Sin is the cause of pain. This will help you not to be mad at the one who can truly help you with the pain. Secondly, pain can be profitable in our lives. If all we want is for the pain to stop as soon as possible, then the only thing we get is relief. But if we see pain as a calling from God, it doesn't, make, it doesn't take the pain away or make it less painful, but the pain will produce more positive things in your life. What a shame I find when someone suffers terribly and the only thing they get out of it is that one day it stopped. Now there is a true waste. And then finally, remember, this pain will pass. Like all things, good and bad, this painful episode will one day pass and will be only a memory. Keeping this in mind will help keep the entire experience in perspective. Because when we're suffering, we think we've been suffering all of our lives and we will suffer till, the, till we die, but that's rarely the truth. That's rarely accurate. So if you're suffering this evening, we want to minister to you in some way. If you're experiencing pain from illness or personal problems, let us pray for you on behalf of you and ask for God's mercy and help. The Bible uh, is not uh, uh, speaking for nothing when it says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Unfortunately, so many people do not avail themselves of the power of prayer that is within the church. Also, if you are suffering from the fear of judgment and condemnation for your sins, then let us witness your confession of Jesus and repentance of sins 
Allow us to bury you in the waters of baptism so that you can have that clear conscience and that pure heart that will enable you to be free from the pain of guilt or fear or dread. And if you're experiencing the guilt of sin and unfaithfulness as a Christian, then let us pray for you that you might be forgiven and restored to a right standing with God so that you don't have to carry that burden anymore. And if you desire to be included in our church family, well then let us extend to you as well the right hand of fellowship, the right hand of healing, if that's what's required. If you have you know, a problem with a brother or sister, let us try to heal that as well. Whatever your pain, allow us to put a balm on your wounds by coming forward as we stand and as we sing the song that has been prepared. <clears throat>